Welcome back everyone, Craig here. Um, I wanted to do a video because I get a, a contacts from a lot of people about uh, questions they have about a potential medical malpractice or medical, medical negligence case. Um, maybe you've seen some of my videos talking about it and you have some questions about the process or these are some of the very common questions that I get or things that I tell people when, when we're sort of in the process of investigating whether there's a case or not. And so I thought uh, it might be easier for people just to be able to watch this video and go back to it um, uh, to help you understand kind of the, the landscape of medical malpractice cases. So medical malpractice cases are essentially professional negligence cases against doctors, hospitals, nurses, and other types of healthcare providers. Depending on the state you're in, that may or may not apply to let's see, chiropractors, uh, physical therapists, dentists. Um, that varies greatly by state. So you do need to kind of know which state you're in. Um, I, I'm licensed in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa, although sometimes I will uh, get admitted uh, individually for particular cases in other states, or I can refer people to lawyers in other states if they find me and have have a potential case. Um, so medical malpractice cases, uh, if you have if you haven't talked to an attorney before about a potential case, one of the things you're going to find is that there just aren't a lot of lawyers out there that do these kinds of cases. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, it, it's not uncommon for people to have difficult time getting anyone to even talk about their case. And uh, I'm I'm not necessarily better at, than other people at doing that, but I do try to um, have a conversation with people, meet with them. If it looks like there's something that may have some merit and we'll, we'll begin the process of looking into it. But a couple of things that really happen in almost all, all medical malpractice cases at the outset. Uh, number one, uh, if you're going to talk to an attorney, you want to make sure you know exactly uh, who you were seeing, so who are the potential providers, what's the name of the doctor or hospital or clinic uh, that that you believe did something wrong. And sometimes you may not know, but, you know, I saw three doctors or I saw a doctor and a, and a physician's assistant or something like that. But you're going to want to have their names uh, right away, especially if you're contacting an attorney um, in the community where this happened. Uh, because that lawyer or law firm may have some past relationships with those doctors. Perhaps they've represented them, you know, maybe they've done a will for them or they've um, helped them out on a divorce or something like that. So it's really important that you have the names of the hospitals and the doctors that are being looked at uh, before you make that first contact with an attorney. That's one of the pieces of information we will try try and get right away. So we can identify if there's a conflict of interest. Number two, and almost as important, or maybe more important, is when did it happen? <clears throat> so all personal injury and lawsuits, depending regardless of the state, usually have some deadlines for when you have to take legal action. And some states have um, additional steps that people have to go through as part of a medical malpractice lawsuit that they that you wouldn't have to do if this was a car accident or slip and fall or something like that. To give you an example, so in Minnesota where I practice, there is a um, 
process in place where if you file a lawsuit against a doctor alleging medical malpractice, and I believe this extends not just to doctors, but other professionals, could be engineers, architects, accountants, things like that, but it comes up in, in medical malpractice situations in Minnesota, is that you have to have had your, your case reviewed by a, a specialist, a doctor of some sort, who has reviewed basic information of the case and, and has told you that there's there's merit to the case there's there's a valid case here that um warrants litigation and then you'll actually have to file an affidavit um from that expert early on in the lawsuit verifying their opinions um that's something that's very unique to minnesota and, the, and depending on which state you're in you may have similar things you have to deal with here in Wisconsin, we have a medical mediation process that people have to participate in. You either have to do that before you file a lawsuit or you file your lawsuit and then like within 10 days, you have to basically put a timeout with your lawsuit and then you go ahead and you go through this medical mediation process, which is um, conducted by um, a particular um, division in the Wisconsin court systems, and they'll appoint people to mediate your case, and there's certain deadlines. And then uh, if, if the process is unsuccessful, which usually it, it is not successful, then it closes, and then you can go out, carry on with your lawsuit or file your lawsuit. So these are things that make knowing when something happened extremely important, um, because we call those statutes and limitations or some of these administrative uh, deadlines that you have to meet. So it's really, really important before you talk to an attorney, you know when when something happened and possibly when you first learned of a mistake. Sometimes people don't realize that they were injured or that a, that a procedure was done incorrectly until later. Sometimes um, during a surgery, a sponge or not or some sort of an instrument is left inside the patient. You don't even know about it until years later when you start having abdominal pain and you go in and they're like, oh yeah, there's something still in your in your um abdomen. And so that that date can be important. So those are kinds of things that you want to just be ready to um information you want to have available to you before you talk to an attorney such as me or someone else that's uh, looking at a medical malpractice case. A um, few other things that you want to keep in mind. Um, you're, you're, you're almost always going to be asked, do you have any of your medical records? Do you have, have you gotten your medical records? Um, your attorney's office can help you with that, but you're almost always going to be asked for medical records. And so if you have an opportunity to do so, go ahead and request your medical records, depending on the state you're in and depending on the institution that you're dealing with, they they probably will provide and may be required to provide you with a free uh, set of your medical records. You want to make it a complete set of medical records, not just uh, official notes. So you want flow sheets and other nurses notes that may not necessarily be part of your normal medical records. Um, a lot of places now have online access to your uh, medical records, some sort of a portal, my chart, something like that. That can be helpful, but that that really it does not substitute for for medical records because there's just a lot of 
information in your medical chart that doesn't make it onto that. Um, so there's nothing wrong with obtaining that or printing that off. Sometimes I can give help the lawyer get a basic understanding of what's going on, but you're going to need your medical records. So the sooner you get your medical records, the sooner that the lawyer can look at your case. And then that kind of brings me to the next step in the process. Those of us that do this kind of work are not doctors, or at least most of us are not. There's, there's a few people out there that are actually licensed medical doctors who are also lawyers that handle these cases. But even then, they're, they're, they're probably not specialists in every field. And so what almost always has to happen in these kinds of cases, if it looks like there's potential merit there, is your lawyers are going to suggest or just make it a requirement that you have your medical records reviewed by someone. This is something that I put all of my potential clients through um, 99% of the time. You have to get your medical records. Sometimes we will have them organized and summarized and condensed down because if you have a huge stack of medical records, it could just be a very time-consuming and expensive process to have a medical doctor page through those records. So sometimes we will generate what's called a medical summary or medical chronology. Just to kind of boil that down into the basics, it'll have you know entries for all the visits, who you saw in a summary, but it, it tries to condense it down so that you can take thousands of pages of medical records and reduce them to, let's say, 50 pages or 30 pages or 100 pages, which is much easier to, to digest and get through. So we will get your medical records. We will get a medical summary put together usually, and then we will find someone to review those records for you. Um, sometimes we've dealt with certain types of doctors in the past, whether it's a family medicine or a cardiologist, infectious disease. If we may, some lawyers and firms will have a, um, a network of people uh, some will not, or some may not be a particularly good fit for your case. So uh, most of the time, we will then go out and try to find someone that is both credentialed and qualified, number one, and two, willing to review your records and offer an opinion, and three, if possible, someone that is willing to to become an expert, to serve in an official capacity in a lawsuit, give testimony, appear at trial if necessary, if they if their opinions are ultimately supportive of your case, um, that's uh, that that's a not always an easy process. These uh, doctors, these are these are professional people. They have busy clinical careers usually, uh, charge for their time. And sometimes it can be in the thousands of dollars. I would say usually it's in the thousands of dollars to have records reviews done. This is usually a, a cost that that you as a potential client will need to pay for uh, and, and realize that there is going to be a lot of situations where the expert will review the, the, the materials and conclude that there isn't a case or that the case is not very strong and not likely to, to succeed. Um, so that's sort of the expert review process. Um, there are there are three key things that that I'm looking for as an attorney that looks at medical malpractice cases and takes certain ones of them. Uh, but there's three key components that you need to be aware of 
uh, and you're going to hear about when you start talking to a lawyer about your case. Number one, standard of care. Number two, causation. And number three, damages. So let me talk about those individually. Standard of care is the question is, was a doctor, was a nurse, was a hospital negligent? Standard of care is sort of what would a, a an average or reasonably careful and well-educated doctor or nurse or other healthcare provider do under a set of circumstances. It's not what would the most the most qualified or the perfect doctor do, not what everyone would do, but what would the 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 average normal reasonable doctor do? And um, not everyone agrees on what that standard is, um, and it's very common in these cases for those that are representing the plaintiff to have a doctor who says, yeah, the standard care clearly says X, Y, and Z. And then you can, you will have the defense find their own experts who will say, well, that's not what the standard care is, or not everyone agrees on that. And so it's not, it's not a violation of standard care for doctors to do this as opposed to this. That's standard of care. That's number one. That's sort of, is is there proof that they did anything wrong to start with? Number two, and sometimes this can be where a lot of cases um, are, are unable to move forward is causation. So if we can show that a doctor or hospital did something wrong, it doesn't always follow that it, that it resulted in harm. For example, if a doctor um, fails to order a particular test and then that, that everyone agrees is, is called for, they don't order the test. They call you back the next day, like, oh shoot, I should have had you take this test, bring you back, take the test and the test is done. And then it shows what, what was going on. It was most likely a violation of the standard of care to not order the test the day that they, you were in the first time, but because they did it the next day, it really didn't change the outcome. Uh, it didn't matter whether they did the test that day or two days or five days later, the, the, the ultimate outcome was going to be the same. So in that case, there isn't causation that the, the negligence didn't actually result in harm to you. Or sometimes people have a very bad uh, outcome, but it was going to happen anyway, even if the doctor did everything correctly, it wasn't going to change the fact that you were going to need the surgery or that you were going to pass away or whatever. So that's what causation means. That needs to be the relationship between the, 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 the doctor's negligence and the harm that you sustained. So that's the second part. The third part, and, and probably I would say the other part where a lot of cases that, that, have merit ultimately can't go forward and that's damages because medical malpractice cases are extremely challenging they're extremely uh, difficult time consuming they they take a lot of a lot of money uh tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars are paid to experts and witnesses and other companies to put the information you need to get the case to trial. And that's, none of that includes attorney's time. That's just actual case expenses that typically we as the attorneys that are taking these cases advance, we actually pay those expenses out of our own pocket with the hope that we will be successful and then can get repaid for those expenses. 
Um, but a lot of these cases ultimately don't win. Uh, statistically, it depends on which state you're in. But I would say well over 50% of the cases that go to trial, the defense wins, the hospital or the doctor wins. Um, there's just enough confusion or the evidence just isn't strong enough to support the claim. And so the juries will award in favor of the hospital and clinic. And I would say more realistically, it's closer to three quarters of cases, um, even good cases, strong cases that have all the experts and stuff, have the damages, um, you still lose those cases. Your lawyers know that. They know that if they take these cases, they're probably going to lose three out of four of them. And so because of that, because of the amount of time and energy that attorneys spend on these cases, as well as money out of pocket that their clients may not need to may not be able to pay them for, you need to be every one of those cases has to have a high possible damages uh, so that the one out of four that you win uh, has enough uh, reward for the lawyer and for the client, but for the lawyer to sort of offset what you're you're losing on the other three cases. So that just means that generally speaking, you have to have catastrophic injuries of some sort where where the potential damage award is in the high six figures, high hundreds of thousands, and more likely into the millions. Uh, it just means if if the most that we could recover for you is let's say a hundred thousand dollars, that may be a a good amount of money in let's say an auto accident case, but that's not going to cut it in most medical malpractice cases because we're probably going to spend that much money just in experts to win your case. So that's where damages becomes very, very important. Um, and, uh, and, and, and related to that, because there is what we call tort reform, damage caps, things like that, that um, are becoming more and more common in states. Um, there's a difference between economic damages and non-economic damages. And economic damages are, let's say, very specific tangible losses could be lost earnings, medical bills, things that you, you know, if you had to buy a handicap accessible vehicle. So sort of the blue book or out of pocket costs or expenses that come with receipts. Those are economic losses. Non-economic losses is all the pain, suffering and disability, sort of the intangible stuff that people suffer. Um, that can oftentimes be the significant part of someone's damage case. But in some states, Wisconsin, for example, has a cap of $750,000 on non-economic damages. That may seem like a lot of money, but as I just got done saying, you, that may not be enough to justify your case. And others, lots of states have caps on non-economic damages, pain, suffering, and disability uh, that may just put a cap, a ceiling on what your case might potentially bring if you're successful. So that is sort of the uh, the big picture of medical malpractice cases and things that you will hear from me in most situations the first time you meet with me. So if you've, if you've contacted me or my law firm about a mal medical malpractice cases, these are the kinds of things that you're going to hear about the first day and you're going to hear about it over and over again over the course of the lawsuit or over the as we're investigating the case and deciding whether we can help you or not. So uh, I investigate a lot of cases. Uh, some of them will conclude they're just 
there is no case or the doctor says it's a case, but it's not a strong case. Or we don't think that the causation connection is strong and that we'll be able to prove it or that the damages are just going to be limited, that the risk of loss in that case is just too high uh, and we can't take that case. Or just there may be a lot of reasons. I can only handle a few so many of these cases at a time. And so if I'm sort of maxed out on the cases that I have pending now, I may have to turn cases down or turn or, or help you find someone else who can handle your case. So I hope that helps. Um, there may be a lot of questions that people have, even after hearing that video. Feel free to leave a comment below or just reach out to me. But I wanted to put that out there because this is just such a very common conversation that I have with people about medical malpractice and medical negligence cases that uh, I wanted to put it out there. Whether you're contacting my law firm or me specifically about a case or not, uh, I think you'll find this useful. And so uh, anyway, until next time, everyone, have a good one.